Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, but joining me in studio, as always, you know him, he's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Oh, let me talk to you. Yeah, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to interact with you. So, Pad, where does everybody head after the show? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the website, check out all the social media accounts. Everything's been updated. Everything is there to follow, subscribe, and interact with. We can't make it any more easier. The T Public Store link is there. Shout out to everybody that was buying during the sale this past weekend. The Patreon link is there, one tier, $2 a month, and bonus content on the way. The blog section, the classifieds, which has friends of the show such as 3FM Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, and so many more. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 117,000. Sounds about right to me. I don't question it. He is a statistician, folks, and he knows things. He knows, he knows, and he knows more. The music section, which has, also has friends of the show such as Brian Wolf and the Howlers. Shout out to Robots, uh, Second Suitor, Tom Jolo, Floodlands, the list goes on and on and on. Basically, if there's anything and everything it is, the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of Sports Show, well, it's football season, so we have to recap the week that was. Mm-hmm. And this is time to talk about some NFL action if you're new to the show. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so we're going to talk about one of my locks. You know, I, I chose the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Broncos, but yeah, not much there. But the other uh, lock I chose was the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Cleveland Browns, which they did not, losing by the final score of 19-17. to 17. Uh, For Cleveland, P.J. Walker, 18 of 34 for 192 yards passing, no touchdowns downs to interceptions uh brock purdy 12 of 27 125 yards passing one touchdown one interception christian mccaffrey led san francisco in rushing with 11 carries 43 yards no touchdowns jerome ford led uh cleveland in rushing with 17 carries 84 yards no touchdowns uh amari cooper led cleveland in receiving with four catches 108 yards, no touchdowns, uh, and Brandon Ayuk led San Francisco in receiving with four catches, 76 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, the easiest way to describe this game is injuries hit San Francisco. Yes. Christian McCaffrey, the MVP of the season thus far, when he went down with what appeared to be a rib injury of some sort. Something like that, yeah. That definitely changed the dynamic up of the game. And then also Debo Samuel went down, Trent Williams went down. So the 49ers, unfortunately, fell to the injury bug. Mm -hmm. Now, the fact that Cleveland hung in there and took advantage of the situation was great for them because, I mean, obviously they're still trying to win the game no matter what injuries happen. Uh But what was really telling is the 49ers just really could not get the ball moving forward Mm -hmm. without McCaffrey. And, And this is why he is the bona fide MVP. I don't think there's any debate about this. You saw what happened when you take him out of this equation. Yeah. Brock Purdy played a great game, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a Brock Purdy game. No. And then you see the wide receiver core. I mean, other than Ayuk and Jennings, everybody else had under 10 yards receiving. Yeah, literally. Uh, 
Jennings had 26. Ayuk had 76, as I mentioned. But then you've got McCaffrey, 9. Uh, Kyle uh, Juzkic, uh, 9. Ray Ray McLeod, the third, 4. George Kittle, 1. Uh, Ross Dweller, uh, technically targeted once, did not catch it, so 0. Debo Samuel, technically targeted once, did not catch it, so 0. Yeah. So you can obviously see when McCaffrey was taken out, the whole game plan went out the window. And this was very telling, mm-hmm. especially for a 49er team that we said, if they stayed healthy, they're winning the whole thing. We saw now when they don't are healthy, or where they're not healthy, I should say, excuse yeah. me, proper English here. This is a situation that if I'm the 49ers, it's a it's a wake-up call to a degree Yeah, that somebody else is going to need to step up, whether it's Jordan Mason or Ray Ray McLeod. Somebody is going to really need to pick up the slack if McCaffrey is hurt, and especially if it's a long-term injury. Now, as far as we've heard injury report-wise, he is not going to miss a game. So uh, we're not sure. Uh, I'm looking at the injury report on ESPN.com. Uh, for Debo Samuel specifically, uh, he is, was listed as questionable yesterday uh, with the San Jose Mercury News reporting that Coach Kyle Han- Shanahan said Monday that Samuel is day-to-day because of the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Chris, in regard to Christian McCaffrey, this is reported today, to uh, by the way, of Adam Schefter of ESPN. Uh, says McCaffrey, oblique slash rib, isn't considered to be dealing with a long-term injury and could have a chance of being available for Monday's game against the Vikings. Yeah, so that's that would be huge if he's back. But if I'm the 49ers, I don't try rushing it. No, especially with, I mean, you just look at how things went once he left, and you brought up the lack of production. I mean, just even the lack of faith, I would say, because mm-hmm. for the team, they had 25 total carries uh, between the one, two, three, four, five, six gentlemen uh, on Sunday who got a carry. 11 of them were McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So then you, okay, 25 minus 11, you, you get 14. You know, so the other 14 carries were from guys that, like, okay, clearly you didn't have a lot of faith in them. And and for Purdy, you know, hey, listen, it's a wake-up call. You're not as perfect as you think you are, which, you know, hey, it's a little bit of humble pie. You know, because I think he hadn't lost a game since since the uh, NFC Championship game. Right, which he got injured in. He got injured, so so he didn't technically lose that. He didn't play for most of it. You know, but for San Francisco, it's a good... Uh, showing of what you need to work on because as good as it is to win and as great as it is to feel that that sense of victory and accomplishment, you know, you tend to look away from the things, you know, that you, you might need to work on because you're like, hey, we're winning. We're doing good. All things are clicking. You get these wake-up calls and you get these, these losses where it's like, okay, now we know the things we need to work on. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I'm not putting this all on their kicker, uh, Jake Moody. Right. The kicker did miss... And he went one for three on the day. Uh, as we've seen from the uh, ESPN College game day pre-shows with the Pat McAfee segment, kicking, not that easy. But in this situation, they should have had more points anyway. It should have not have came yeah. back to a last-minute kick. Yeah. I'm sorry. When P.J. Walker is the one defeating you. <laughs> Who? Jerome Ford. Who? And, I mean, granted, Amari Cooper had a day, but after. That's to be expected. Right. This is a team that you should have beat outright. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, and you let them hang in there and weather the storm. And this is a great win for Cleveland. You, I mean, for them, it's something they can definitely build off of. Cleveland's definitely flying under the radar. I'm not saying they're yeah. going to make the playoffs, but like, I think their record's going to end up being better than 
people thought it was going to be. Because, I mean, just looking at the record, you know, they beat the Bengals week one. They only lost by four points to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. They whooped the shit out of the Tennessee Titans 27-3. to And you had the loss against Baltimore, which is their lone, like, glaring loss, where it was 28-3 to shutout to the Atlanta Falcons. Yes. Uh, you know, and then you get this game where they won by two. So, like... And and especially with I was t- I was talking to a, a guy we know who's a Cleveland Browns fan, and I when the news came down on I want to say it was maybe Thursday or Friday about Deshaun Watson uh, not playing the game on Sunday. Even he was like, oh well, there goes the win. You know, probably not going to watch because you know our backup is not any good. But no, then he, they turned around and pulled it off. PJ is a journeyman. He's traveled between what the XFL and, and yeah, he is in his fourth season in the NFL. He played college ball at uh, Tampa or not Tampa, excuse me, Temple. Uh, he has played th- the previous three seasons with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, starting, uh, he's played in let's see, sixteen games. Well, it looks like this might have been his first start, though. I mean, quite possibly. Like I said, yeah. for memory circ- circumstance, though, I thought he played in the XFL. It, it could be, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's a situation where, you know, it, it's a he's in and doing the best he can. Yeah, yeah, I believe I mean, he did play for the XFL. Okay, and then Jerome Ford, because uh, I did not know who the fuck this guy was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is in his uh, second year in the NFL, drafted last season out of the, uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, fifth round. So. This is not exactly an A-list team on the offensive side of the ball, but no. yet they got the job done. So Cleveland has to celebrate that, yeah, and move and do it, do something with it moving forward. As for the 49ers, I mean, this is not a crippling loss. I think this is a very humbling loss. Yeah, I mean, hey, for for San Francisco, you are still looking good. You still got the uh, lead in the NFC West. Uh, you know, you are. You've got a record of five and one there ahead of the Seattle Seahawks and who are three and two. So you're looking good for them. And then, hey, for the uh, Cleveland Browns, even though you're three and two, you're still technically tied for second place with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have the same record. And Baltimore is right ahead of you with a record of four and two. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that there's an upside for both teams with this one, which is yeah. kind of, which you can't really say that often. But here no. we are. Uh, looking at the teams and their schedules uh, they have upcoming for the Cleveland Browns this upcoming Sunday, they are on the road playing the Indianapolis Colts. Then they are back on the road for week eight, playing the Seattle Seahawks. They're back at home on November the 5th for week nine, playing the Arizona Cardinals. And then week 10, they are uh, on the road playing the Baltimore Ravens Hmm. for the San Francisco 49ers. This upcoming Monday, uh, as I alluded to earlier with the Christian McCaffrey report, uh, they're on the road playing the Minnesota Vikings that is on Monday Night Football week after that they're at home against the Cincinnati Bengals then they've got a bye week in week nine and then they come back in week 10 on the road playing the Jacksonville Jaguars well like I say it's going to be an interesting week and rebound for both Mm -hmm. teams so there's a lot of promise to be had on both sides of the ball and I think especially in San Francisco's case if McCaffrey is good to go I wouldn't rush him back but you're going to need somebody to step up and do the workload yeah because you can't be a one-dimensional team, much like the other team we're going to be talking about now. Yeah. And that is the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, so I picked the Indianapolis Colts to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, which they did not, uh, losing by the final score of 37-20 to 20, uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you got Trevor Lawrence, 20 of 30 for 181 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Gardner Minshew, uh, 33 of 55, goddamn, mm. uh, 329 yards passing, one touchdown, three interceptions. Zach Moss led Indianapolis in rushing with seven carries, 21 yards, only one touchdown. Travis Etain Jr., 18 carries, 55 yards, two touchdowns. 
for versus their their rushing game. Uh, on the receiving side, Christian Kirk, yes, uh, led Jacksonville in receiving three catches, forty nine yards, uh, one touchdown, and then Michael Pittman Jr. nine catches, hundred and nine yards, zero touchdowns. Also, should note Travis Etain helping me win my fan well, my fantasy games this week. Uh, three catches, twenty eight yards, receiving no touchdowns. Well, Jacksonville is playing better than we thought they were going to be doing, obviously. Yep, yep. Being the best team, arguably, in the AFC South. Uh, there's no arguably. They're in first place. Yeah, I mean, that's the one situation. Statistically, they're the best. Yeah, looking around that that division, I mean, I it's weird even saying because it's really Jacksonville and everybody else. I mean, Houston's showing glimpses of, like, hey, they might be decent. Glimpses, yes. But are we expecting, like, deep playoff runs this year? Nah. No, nobody from this division really even scares me. I'm if, you, if you want to know how a lot of people feel about uh, the Tennessee Titans, look at how DeAndre Hopkins handled it on Sunday. Exactly. So seeing Jacksonville do this, especially when it's a rival in your division, mm-hmm. it, I you know I would say I was really not su- super surprised, but I think the biggest headline here is Gardner Minshew is not the Gardner Minshew I think people were thinking. No, well, and, and I mean, just looking at the entire division, Jacksonville I would say is the most developed of the four, you know, you've got uh, Lawrence, who's in his what third year now, mm-hmm. something like that. So he's been around a while. He's been in that system all. He's starting to really get it and understand things. Indianapolis in flux. Obviously, Richardson did not play uh, this Sunday. There's talk he may miss the entire year uh, because of an ACL injury. Man, I believe, is, I believe, is what is being reported. Houston, obviously, uh, you know, still early. You know, you've got the uh, rookie quarterback there, and then Tennessee. Listen, all I got to say about Tennessee, no no disrespect to Titans fans, but DeAndre Hopkins' reaction on Sunday was when he got up and left the bench after, uh, I believe it was Tannehill, sat down next to him because he wanted nothing to do with Tannehill. Says all you need to know about that team. Oh, exactly. Tennessee is a mess right they're, now. Dis- they're as dysfunctional as uh, your thank- your Thanksgiving dinner might be. You know, but for the- but for this game, g- good performance from Lawrence, 181-2, and two, you know. He's got an okay receiver core, but it's not exactly going to light anybody up. Like, oh my God, he's got you know Randy Moss and he's got Jerry Rice and he's got Terrell Owens and he's got you know uh, he's got uh, Jamar Chase. You know, like they're serviceable. Christian Kirk is okay. Evan Ingram's fine. Calvin Ridley's not bad. Attains their best player on offense. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you have to take a look at that team, and especially Christian Kirk for the amount of money they paid him. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget, four years and $98 million. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. saying. You know, he, he has to be producing like this. Calvin Ridley has been a diamond in the rough for him. Yeah. But this game he didn't show up because, let's face it, we've said this time and time again, Indianapolis is the most boring team. They're fundamentally sound. Uh-huh. Albeit, though, if I was a Colts fan, <laughs> I would be concerned with that running game. Yeah, uh, only eight carries and 19 yards from Jonathan Taylor. No touchdowns. Uh, this was his second game playing. I had to look that up. Yep. I thought it might be his first. No, it's his second. Uh, and then Zach Moss, uh, seven carries, 21 yards, one touchdown. That is concerning as hell. Yeah, the, you take them out of the equation. I'm sorry, Minshew is not winning you in, right. a, in a shootout with well, anybody. And, and, and especially Jacksonville's defense isn't like you know lighting up the scoreboard with oh my god, look at what they can do. No. You know, you don't have a ball hawk in the in the secondary like an Ed Reed in Baltimore. You don't have really have a guy over the can come over the middle and just break up a uh, run before it gets across the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get me wrong. Jacksonville's got a good defense. They're you know they're holding they're holding up fairly well. 
But is it scaring me when I look at the preview for if my team's going to play him this upcoming week? No. Absolutely not. No, there's nothing scary about him. So the fact that the Colts got handled like this, I'd be a little concerned. Obviously, yeah. Richardson being out and arguably the year, that is yeah, tough. Yeah, That is tough. But this is where you have to figure out what you're going to do with Minshew. And well, well, and if Minshew's going to be the guy. I mean, let's, let's not forget, there are a couple – uh, free agents on the market right now that they could possibly bring in. Uh, looking at the Colts depth chart, though, besides Gardner Minshew, uh, they do have Sam Ellinger uh, as their second-string quarterback, technically. Uh, coming into – he is in his third year out of the University of Texas. So, I mean, if you don't want to go with Minshew, you don't want to go with Ellinger. We do know uh, Matty Ice is available. Mm-hmm. We do know Carson Wentz is available. You know, there's certainly some guys out there that, like, you could, bre- you could bring in. And, and, hell, maybe you can even talk uh, old Philip Rivers uh, come back for one more ride. You know, there are guys out there. If you if you are down Anthony Richardson for the year and you don't want to stick with Minshew because you want to try and contend. Well, that's the one question mark. Or you could tank. Well, that's the whole thing. They have to figure out what they want to do. And I'm sorry, Minshew is not the guy. No. If Jonathan Taylor is producing like this in a couple more weeks, the fact that you just paid <laughs> him that much money, I would be very, very concerned. Yeah. And you have to find somebody to light that offense up. I mean, and granted, it's going to hurt his trade value too. Sure. If like, if, let's just say things don't get any better for Indianapolis in the years going forward. Like, if if Jonathan Taylor has a fall off in production that like drive off a cliff fall off, there's no way anybody's going to trade for him now. Like prior to this prior to this season, oh my god, you would have had to get a king's ransom to get a hold of the guy. Mm-hmm. Now teams are going to aren't going to touch him. It brings up a great debate about running backs and if they're worth the amount of money they're getting paid. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe there's some argument to the lack of pay. Well, I'm just saying you see now with Dalvin Cook and you yeah, see now with Believe me, I'm feeling that one in fantasy right now. Right, but that's why I say like when you see these running backs that have been superstars for years start to just fall off. Yeah. For reasons. Yeah. It is yeah. what it is. I mean, yeah. you can say the system, you can say whatever. I think if Taylor is doing this in a couple more weeks and he's putting up stat numbers like this, Ah, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for the Colts. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be. I mean, especially they're three and three, so they're still in contention for that division. Right. But from what I saw on Sunday, I'm not scared, I, and I would not be scared if I was another team in that division. Nope. Uh, so looking at the team's schedules the next couple of weeks uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got a real short week this week. They are playing on Thursday night football on the road in New Orleans, so that'll be on Prime Video. Week after that, they are on the road playing the Pittsburgh Steelers by week in week nine. Uh, and then they are at home against the San Francisco 49ers for week 10. For those Indianapolis Colts, this upcoming Sunday, they are at home against the Cleveland Browns, back home on week eight for against the New Orleans Saints, on the road for week nine, playing the Carolina Panthers, and then uh, week 10, technically a home game against the New England Patriots. However, that one will be in uh, Germany. Yeah, it's so always, that one will be in the NFL Network at 9.30 in the morning Eastern. Yeah, it's always weird when they say that's a home game. Yeah, well, that's why I say technically a home yeah, game. But nevertheless, uh, the AFC South is still there. Jacksonville mm-hmm. looked very, very good. Indianapolis, a lot of question marks. I will say, though, that New England game is going to be real interesting because that's technically a home game for the Colts, but I know there's a very big Patriots uh, contingent in Germany where yes. they're, where they're going. So it's technically a home game for the Colts, and it's going to be Colts like colors and logos on the field, but there's probably going to be more Pats fans and Colts fans there. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Uh, then now onto your locks and leaps. So my locks and leaps. All right, let's get into it. My locks. I this pained me to take. I really hated it. Low hanging fruit though. But it's low hanging fruit because when you have the highest scoring offense in the league right now, setting records against the well statistically worst team in the league, 
this is a no-brainer, and the Miami Dolphins uh-huh. showed up, and they did what good teams do. You absolutely make a statement win against a lesser team, mm-hmm. and winning forty-two to twenty-one. Pat, you got those stats? Yeah. So Tua Tagovailoa, twenty-one of thirty-one for two hundred and sixty-two yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Bryce Young for Carolina, twenty-three of thirty-eight for two hundred and seventeen yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Chuba Hubbard led Carolina in rushing with nineteen carries, eighty-eight yards, just one touchdown. Uh, Roheem Moster uh, led Miami in rushing, seventeen carries, one hundred and fifteen yards, two touchdowns. Uh, my uh, for Miami, uh, Tyree Kill led them in receiving because. Duh. Uh, six catches, 163 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Jalen Waddle had seven and f- catches 51 yards and only one touchdown. Uh, and for Carolina, you had Adam Thielen led them in receiving with 11 catches, 115 yards, and one touchdown. Should also note that we're in fucking week six. Three mm-hmm. week six. We're almost in week seven. Tyreek Hill's already at 814 yards receiving. Oh, it's crazy. Which is absurd. But take a look at their schedule, though, too. Okay. Like, that's the thing. When you take a look at who they've defeated, it's is it the upper echelon of the league or is it the lesser tier? Yeah, so let's just we'll flip back and forth between the schedule and their current records. Uh, so they beat the Los Angeles Chargers, goal, Chargers, goal, uh, who are currently two and three. Uh, they beat the New England Patriots, which enough said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat the Denver Broncos, who are currently uh, one and five. They beat the Buffalo. Or they uh, lost. You bite to, your tongue. Sorry, they lost to the Buffalo Bills, who are currently uh, four and two. Uh, and then they beat the New York Football Giants, who are currently uh, one and five. God damn. And they beat the Carolina Panthers, who are uh, in last place at zero and six. So the only team they lost to that uh, has a winning record is the Buffalo Bills. Everybody else has got a losing record. Right. So I'm not saying the stats are inflated, but it's, it's like the Broncos a couple of years ago. Exactly. That's the situation you're looking at. Miami is doing the right thing. So, so I can't fault them on this. Mm-hmm. They're playing very smart football. Tua is looking fantastic. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill is making an MVP argument. Yeah. You can't yeah. lie about yeah. this. But I also have to look at this and going, okay, what competition have they faced? Right. With the ex- the Chargers, listen, flip a coin, and that's the team you get. Mm-hmm. So are they really pretenders or contenders? I mean, that's that's the argument you can have with them. Patriots, sorry, Pad, it's a real fact. Oh, it is. It, it's, it's not their year. Patriots could not guard air right now. Exactly. The Giants, enough said. Mm-hmm. The Bills, uh, the Bills are a playoff contender no matter what right yep. now. Yep. Even though they are hit with injuries, it is mm-hmm, what it is. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, we knew with Carolina, this should have been an easy win, and it was. Tua looked fantastic. Right. And you can look at the rest of the team. They did what good teams do. And I'm sorry, the experiment going on in Carolina, like they're 0-6, Bryce Young. Taking I'm, his lumps early. He, he is, but I mean, what else are you going to do? But he has no help around him. I'm sorry, Adam Thielen is not the Adam Thielen of old. No. I'll take it for fantasy, though. Yeah, he's great for fantasy, but other than that, I mean, that's not going to do anything to get you wins in the column other than unless you're playing, you know. Right. That's why I say, like, in real life, this is not helping, and they're not showing any signs of life. They Mm -hmm. look very, very below average. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Deflated. Well, that's all the problem that they have, and I'm sorry. This is not helping a rookie quarterback who is trying, but then again. What's he got to work with? Um, Well, and plus, where do you go to college? Because this will be the argument. 
Mm-hmm. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, he went to Alabama. Exactly. And what has been my statement about Alabama quarterbacks? Uh, they're not that good. No, because you have a you have the creme de la creme of recruits down there. Mm-hmm. Pat and I could rotate quarterbacks, and we'd both throw for about 500 yards each and well, four touchdowns. When they're also facing competition like the Citadel. Right. And I'm not saying he's not a good athlete, but I'm saying you have to take a look at that in perspective. For Carolina to take him as high as they did, they were banking the farm on him, and unfortunately, it looks like it went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, he's just he needs a lot of help. I don't know if they can turn it around in a year. Right, the season's done. Sorry, it is what it is. Yeah, and unless they show me something moving forward, they're going to be back in that top five draft selection. Easy. Yeah, easy. So, what else can you really say about this game other than Miami looked great? Um, Tyreek Hill, I know, had a couple injury uh, situations, but it sounds like he's okay. Yeah, should be. And then. Tua, listen, I'm happy to see he's playing healthy. Yeah. That's the that's the big takeaway for me. But long way to go in the season, but they finally have some competition this week, so I'm yes, excited to see where they're going to match up. Uh, so you mentioned their competition this week. Uh, this upcoming Sunday, they are on the road playing the Philadelphia Eagles. That'll be on Sunday Night Football. Uh, the following week, they're at home playing the New England Patriots. The week after that, for week nine, they are at home. On, uh, well, technically at home. Uh, it's going to be overseas, though, playing the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe that's the other one that's in Germany this year. Uh, and then they got a bye week in week 10. They will have a test at the end of the year, though. I just want to bring this up, too. Because uh, at the end of the year, 16, 17, 18, Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo. Oof. That will not be pretty. No, it won't, but that's going to show what this team is really made of. Yes. Uh, and for the Carolina Panthers, uh, they're on a bye week this upcoming week. Following that, they're at home against the Houston Texans, at home against the Indianapolis Colts for Week 9, on the road in Week 10 playing the uh, Chicago Bears. That'll be Thursday Night Football on oh. Prime Video. Oh. Yeah, that's a fucking great birthday. Oh. That's a great birthday gift to me, NFL. Thanks. Oh, my God jerks uh week 11 they're at home against the dallas cowboys well carolina might put a win streak against the teams that are coming back off the bye because they're Maybe. all they're on that lower end of the the ranking system mm-hmm. if you will as for miami like listen philly is going to be a great test for him yeah and we'll really see what this team is made of because philly does have a very solid defense but moving forward we'll just have to kind of take a look at it yeah speaking of the nfc east those commanders, yeah. bum, 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 they showed up against the one and only Atlanta pad. Mm-hmm. Because who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta took a big L. Yeah, they did. And the commanders looked really good, so let's talk about it. Yeah, the commanders won by the final score of 24-16. to 16. Uh, Sam Howell, 14-23, 151 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Desmond Ritter for Atlanta went 28-47, 307 yards passing, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, Tyler Algier led Atlanta in rushing with 13 carries, 51 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Brian Robinson Jr. led Washington in rushing, 10 carries, 31 yards, no touchdowns. Terry McLaurin led Washington in receiving with six catches, 81 yards, no touchdowns. And Drake London led Atlanta in receiving with nine catches, 125 yards, and no touchdowns. Also noting Kyle Pitts. Uh, Four catches, 43 yards, just one touchdown. Yes, that helps out a lot of fantasy owners. Just saying, because mm-hmm. he's always projected to be in that top five of elite tight ends, and it just hasn't happened. Much like Atlanta, you know, is on the rebuild. This team did not really show signs of life in that second half. Washington came out early. Sam Howell looked fantastic. Did look pretty good. Like I say, him working with Eric Benemy as the offensive coordinator, 
that's helping. Yes. It's a it's gonna be he's not gonna be Patrick Mahomes two point but there's a lot of promise there. Mm-hmm. And I thought this game he looked probably the best I've seen him all season. Mm-hmm. As for the rest of the team, the running back uh, core is not really scaring anybody. No. Brian Robinson Jr. is decent. He's good, but like I say, this is a game that I thought they should have at least cleared 50 yards running. Yeah. As a team, they cleared 72. Atlanta is not great. And, I mean, Desmond Ritter, I... Atlanta was great until uh, midway through the third quarter of Super Bowl 51. Yeah, and, and I or know. sorry, 50-whatever. Well, yeah, 51. We, we know it's a rebuilding time for them, too. But like I said, Ritter's stat line, 28 for 47, three interceptions. Yeah. With two touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, there, that still is noteworthy. But that's the sign of the times that he might not be the guy. I mean, I, I never had faith he was the guy even when they drafted him, you know, mm-hmm. last year, third uh, third round out of Cincinnati. Yeah, and I think he, he to me, he never struck me as like, oh, yeah, that's the, the guy to like develop and lead you into the playoffs and lead you to a Super Bowl. No, that to me, that was the guy to keep on your team in case something went wrong and you needed a backup. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Bijan Robinson talk has really died down lately, that he was going to be the next coming of uh Jonathan Taylor uh, we'll or the elite running backs in the league. I mean, we got to wait and see on him, yeah. but, I just, but I just noticed it got real quiet after week one. Yeah, it did. So yeah, it did. Uh, we'll have to wait to see what Atlanta can do. I mean, I'm not expecting a lot out of them. Washington, if they can win ugly games like this, they got a chance. Mm-hmm. But looking at their schedule, we'll have to kind of wait to see how that plays out. Yeah, so uh, the Commanders in the next couple of weeks, uh, this upcoming Sunday, are on the road playing the New York Giants. Week 8, they're at home playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Week 9, they're uh, on the road playing the New England Patriots. And then week 10, they're on the road playing the Seattle Seahawks. For the Atlanta Falcons this upcoming Sunday, they are on the road playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Back on the road for week 8 playing the Tennessee Titans. At home, uh, week 9 playing the Minnesota Vikings. And then week 10, they're on the road playing the Arizona Cardinals. Interesting games for both teams moving forward. We'll have to wait to see how the ball bounces, though. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick lap around the league and let's see what else is going on. Yeah, so as we mentioned, uh, Thursday night game was the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos 19-8. to Well, what can you say? Kansas City, they did Kansas City things. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, I believe, was in attendance. Yes, she was. And this is a division game, but I think the big telling sign is Denver has checked out. Uh, yeah. What was the report that came out like the next day after this game? Was that like they're gonna the, the strip down, you know, and, and trading of assets is gonna start here? You have to do something. And I'm sorry, I I'm gonna say this right now. I think Sean Payton's one and done. Oh yeah. I think he's gone. Yeah, Ru- yeah. Russell Wilson. I don't know how who is gonna oh. pick him up. I mean, the I'm XFL sorry. maybe. Kansas City is not a lights out defense, and the fact he only got 95 yards on him with two interceptions. That's uh-huh. that's. That's the telling sign. Uh-huh. And the rest of the uh, Broncos' offense, just nothing. And Jerry Judy, yeah. I will just say, should not be drawing the ire of one Steve Smith. Yeah, and and if you're going to talk that talk, you better back it up. Exactly. I mean, that's one thing that Kansas City can do. I mean, obviously, I feel they got some calls in their favor, just my opinion. Yeah. But it is what it is. Travis Kelsey, he had a great game, nine catches, 124 yards. Yep. And Rushy Rice, uh, four catches, 72 yards. I mean, so they're starting to put it together. I wouldn't say this team is a lock for the Super Bowl by any means. They're looking but, good, though. But they're looking very good. Yeah. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Tennessee Titans 24-16. Well, we talked about Tennessee a little bit. Uh when we're dealing with the AFC South, Tennessee is not good. No. You know who is good, though? Lamar. 
Lamar had a great day. 223 in the air, one touchdown, and then on the ground, 62 yards, no touchdowns uh, rushing, but that pretty goddamn good. Very good win for the Ravens and Tennessee. I mean, they're just in a state of disarray. Floundering. It's bad right now. Uh, speaking of bad, uh, the uh, Minnesota Vikings beat the Chicago Bears 19-13. to Ugh. Ugh. I mean, I heard some Creed was playing in the locker room. Yeah. And yeah, Vikings are uh, some Creed fans. And apparently that was not enough to get uh, a bigger def- definitive win, but it got a win nevertheless. Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins, 181 in a touchdown. Yeah, that's not bad. It's not bad, but, not it, bad. you know, I think both teams here know the postseason is very, very far away. Yep. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Seattle Seahawks 17-13. Shocking win, I'll be honest. Yeah. I was very surprised, but the Bengals' defense really came alive late mm-hmm. to lock in the win. It's a great win for the Bengals. I think that they needed it more than anybody might have realized. Mm-hmm. Because obviously being a playoff contender for the past couple of years, they came out the gate very, very slow. But Joe Burrow looks like he's getting back into form. I mean, 185 and two touchdowns is a great stat line. One interception, not the best either. Joe Mixon running for 38 yards is huge. Jamar Chase, 80 yards. He's wide open, as he says all the time. So <laughs> Was wearing a 7-Eleven chain. Yeah, I know. That's hilarious. So this team is starting to get back on track, and Seattle, we said, is going to grind with the best of them. Mm-hmm. And they did. This was a great game. But it was one that, like I say, if Seattle's or the Cincinnati defense didn't shut down, Seattle was running away with this late. Mm-hmm. They really stepped up when they needed to, so you know, kudos for them. And we'll have to watch out to see, are the Bengals for real? That's yeah. going to be the question moving forward from here. Uh, Houston Texans beat the New Orleans Saints 20-13. to Yeah, so there was a game. I mean, listen, if there's any good thing to talk about this game, C.J. Stroud, uh, 199 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, On the year, he has 1,660 yards passing exactly, Uh, nine touchdowns and one interception. Looking at the stats for the NFL this year, uh, in terms of passing yards, he is currently fourth in the NFL in passing yards behind only Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, and Tua Tagovailoa. Good for him. You know, I think that he's really taken this chance to make something happen in Houston best he can. I mean, his streak, though, for uh, attempts to interceptions is over. Mm-hmm. But nothing to sneeze at about there. Devin Singletary showed up. Yeah. I was like, where did he go? Because he's been just such a non-factor this season yeah. that now he is a factor mm-hmm. moving forward for them. So, like, that'll be a good fantasy football pickup this week. And, like I say, this game was not great. Nothing really to write home about. Uh, but good win for Houston, though. Yeah. Uh, then you had the uh, L.A. Rams defeat the Arizona Cardinals 26-9. to Well, <laughs> somebody had a win. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is one that the Cardinals were the team that we thought they were. Yeah. The Rams, obviously are much like the Chargers. You don't know what you're going to get each week. Uh-huh. Matthew Stafford looked really good, though, 226-1, and one, so definitely take that as a win. Uh, Cooper Cup back to form, seven catches, four, 148 yards. Uh, I mean, what else can you really say? They did what they needed to do. The Cardinals, though, ugh. Yeah. E- easiest way to put it. Yeah. Uh, then you had the New York Jets. Yes, the New York Jets. Uh, finally beat the uh, Philadelphia Eagles for the first time in their franchise history. Yeah, no, they were like 0-12, 0-13, something mm-hmm. like that against the Eagles all-time. Finally got a win against Philly, uh, winning by the final score of 20-14. to uh, I, I can't explain this one, really. No, no, than... we can. Reasons. Yes. 
that is reasons. Like I say, it it just there's something new with Zach Wilson's play. Like I, I think ever since he had the the humility moment at the backstage where he took ownership of like the loss. Yeah. He's been playing really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that the Jets are going to bounce into the playoffs, but mm-hmm. there is, you know, uh, at least signs of hope. Yeah. And I, I hear that Aaron Rodgers is possibly going to come back in a couple weeks. Like so, To quote Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, there never was much hope. Yeah. O- only a fool's hope. Yes. But we'll have to wait to see what happens with the Jets. But they're back on track. Their defense played great. This is probably the worst game I think I've seen Jalen Hurts play in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, everyone has them every now and again. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. I mean, Philly should be fine, but right. it was very, very interesting to see how the Jets really locked it in late. Like mm-hmm. That's the telling sign that they figured out how to slow down Hurts. And once they did that, Philly just – I'm not saying they fell apart, but they just really – faltered years getting going right i mean i'm looking at the playoff standings uh currently the jets are in 10th with houston in the nine and then indianapolis in the eight so i would say if the jets are just able to kind of maintain and do well you look in houston maybe they keep it up maybe they fall off indianapolis if richardson's out there absolutely gonna fall off Mm. so there's an outside chance if if and it's a big all caps bold italicized underlined if the jets are able to maintain they might make it there's a chance. Yeah. You're saying there's a chance. Saying there's a chance. Uh, the Detroit Lions beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the final score of 20-6. to six. Uh, Notably, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bringing back their creamsicle uniforms for the first time in 2000, since 2012. Uh, and based off the performance of this game, maybe they ought to put them back in the uh, closet. I was just going to say that. It's 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 not as cool as they think to bring those uniforms out. And if, and if memory serves, like the last couple of times they brought those uniforms out, which isn't much. They did it like 2012, and I think I read they did it once in 2011. Mm-hmm. They lost both games. Yeah. Uh, put them back in the closet. I think they're going to need to. Detroit playing lights out football right now. Five and one. I, a, I, I'm, a, I'm happy for this. I am all in about Detroit. I think that they are definitely on the right track mm-hmm. after so many years, and they're playing great on both sides of the ball. That, that's the big win, too. Jared Goff, vastly underrated of how, how he's putting up some stats. Yes. And then we do have one more game before we break our teams down, and yeah. that is the Cowboys. Yeah, how about them Cowboys? They somehow, some way, defeated the Los Angeles Chargers. 20-17. to 17. You know, this game was a lot better than I thought it was going to be with all the injuries that were happening. Uh, Dak Prescott looked great, 272-1. and one. Uh, Also, the leading rusher for Dallas. That was a little That's, alarming. Uh, not ideal. Yeah. Uh, C.D. Lamb, he actually showed up and had a game. Uh, seven catches, 117 yards. Lived up to that number 88 jersey on his back. Mm-hmm. But this, again, is a typical Chargers game. Mm-hmm. You have a team that you should beat because of all the injuries, and yet you can't close the deal no matter uh-huh. what. Herbert played very recklessly, though, late. I know an interception, yeah. especially under two minutes, just throwing the ball away. That was very unlike him. Yep. But this is where the problem happens with the Chargers. The games they should win, they lose. The ones that they should lose, they flip a coin, and that's what you get. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I'm not sold on the hype around this team. I, I mean, for fantasy-wise, yeah, they put up numbers. <laughs> They're great for fantasy. But that's it. Yeah. As far as being real contenders, I'm sorry, I just don't see it here. Yeah. But great win for Dallas, though. Yeah, no, good win for Dallas, especially with a lot of uh... – dignitaries and, and alumnus, I guess you could say, in attendance. I know Michael Irvin was there. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys fans' favorite uh, media pundit was there, Stephen A. Smith. Yes, he was in He was in attendance. I was, was waiting to see his reaction to that one. Yeah. 
And we got to talk our two teams. Uh, my Patriots lost to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders 21 to 17. We scored points. Yeah. Fuck it. Like, that's about all I can say out of this. You know, the, it looks like they f- started figuring some stuff out on offense. Maybe. We'll see. You know, it's not going to be any easier this upcoming week with uh, Buffalo on the docket. But the fact that they scored points, you know, was, was good to see. Ezekiel Elliott finally found the end zone, you know, but. It was optimistic, but this just fucking crisis offensive line is like the worst. I saw a stat uh, this past week where Mac Jones is needing like 3.7 seconds time to find his receivers and get the ball out. Mm. His, his offensive line is giving him 0.7 seconds. That's not good. Like the as the, as the one broadcaster for the page because I was listening to the game because uh, on my way home. Because mercifully, this game wasn't on TV here, so I didn't have to suffer. Uh, but as the one commentator on the radio broadcast that I was listening to on Sirius said, you know, the Patriots offensive line right now could not guard air. Mm-hmm. You know, the three sacks, you know, just abysmal offensive line performance. You know, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I know they they put Malik Cunningham, the running back, slash, the wide receiver slash running back slash quarterback on the roster, and, and maybe he'll see some action this week against Buffalo if things go south. You know, but for everyone sitting there saying, oh, Zap's the guy, Zap's the guy, again, no, they wouldn't have cut his ass if they thought he was the guy. But for things, I mean, listen, am I going to sit here saying, we're going to beat Buffalo? Fuck no. Absolutely not. But am I at least optimistic about some of the progression, you know, with scoring? Yes. Let me ask you this question, and this is obviously, you know me, I'm not throwing any salt in the wound. Yeah. Belichick is your GM, correct? Yes, I believe so. Uh, Maybe not officially, but yes. Okay. Do you think he should step down and just focus on coaching? I think after this season, yes. Okay. Um, you know, he's done done good things in the past. I'm not going to sit here and say he hasn't. Sure. But I think after this season, that conversation absolutely needs to be had. You uh, know, that it, that it might be time for a different look in the front offices, and it's nothing against him. But it, it, I think he needs to focus with as bad as things are and as some of those holes have been glaring for a couple of years, the offensive line, especially, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously they haven't made changes and things haven't gotten better. And I mean, you, the receiving core, you, sure. You've got some guys there who are decent. Kendrick Bourne's not, is good. Uh, you know, you've got Hunter Henry's not bad, although he really didn't have a good game at all. One catch, seven yards, mm-hmm. you know, but then you look at the rest of it and it's just like, who the fuck are the rest of these guys? I mean, Devontae Parker, one catch, seven yards, you know, I, I think he, that conversation certainly needs to be had. Yeah, I think at this stage, it's as wild as it might sound. I'm not saying the game has passed him by by any stretch of the imagination, but what I think is the talent that he is bringing in. They just need a fresh uh, fresh set of eyes. Yeah, is just he's too stuck in his ways. Yeah, yeah. And, and he just needs to either focus on coaching, which I think is the smart play to do, mm-hmm. or if he really is just like, you know what, the game is just not in me and I don't have the heart for it anymore for reasons. Right bow out yeah there's no shame in it there's nothing wrong with it i think if, for the patriots that's the question mark you have to ask because no, mac, that's, that's fair yeah mac is not the guy um it just i'm sorry it ain't, it ain't looking like it no i'm just saying what you see on the the game tape he's just not the guy mm-hmm. and it is what it is it's not a shot it's just no it, it's facts but I'm, the only thing i kind of wonder is if the offensive line wasn't so bad and the stats weren't there that like i said he needs almost four seconds to, to find a receiver and get a pass off, and his offensive line is giving him less than one second. Mm. 
if the if the numbers were a little closer, that like let's just say he needed three point six and the offensive line was giving him three point three. Yeah. Like, all right, that's not that big of a difference. It's pretty much identical. Then you could sit there and go, okay, yeah, he's not the guy, but like he he's not showing progression. He's not showing, you know, okay, he's, he's plateaued. Learned, he exactly, he's plateaued. But this is with a fucking dog shit offensive line. Oh, I if, grant you. If if the offensive line were better and they were actually fucking giving him the time of day to do anything other than blink, you know, I could say, yeah, they need to move on. But it's just so hard to say. It's very tough, but I think, unfortunately, I think he is just plateaued in, oh, yeah. in this day and age. Oh, yeah. You have to find ways, if you're going to be a great player, to elevate around you. And unfortunately, he just he's capped at where he is. It yeah. is. It is what it is. Yeah. It's not to say when he came in he wasn't, but once you hit that level, teams start figuring you out. Especially when there's game film. Exactly, and that's the problem that I don't think he's done. I think he got very comfortable, and I think he's just kind of just going through the motions because he knows that he's hit his ceiling. Mm -hmm. And I think with Belichick, too, it might be a little bit of arrogance. It might be a little pride. But I think that he, stubbornness. Though. Yeah, I mean, however you want to define it, but he's got to step down as in that position. Yeah, as GM. Yeah, yeah, as GM. If he wants to stay as a coach, he can stay as a coach. It's fine. Oh yeah. But as far as personnel, you need somebody in there with a fresh mindset that mm -hmm. really wants to shake things up because that's what this team needs, and they're not getting it right now with Bill because it's reasons. We've we've seen the Bill O'Brien offense works. Now, granted, you had the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, there. Sure, but at least you've seen it can work mm -hmm. if you've got the right tools in there. And clearly, you know, they're trying to hammer in a nail with a, a, a saw, and it's not working right now. Yeah. They have a lot to work to do for New England, especially before next week. And I'm not saying this because I'm a Bills fan, but I'm just saying they have a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. It's going to be fucking ugly next week. You know, never for say... For me, for me. Well, for you maybe, but I will say this. I thought this, the Bills should have absolutely put drop uh, an easy 40. See, I, I'm i going to get worked up, so I'm probably going to be messing my oh, words so, up. Oh, so is my aunt, an avid Bills fan. But you have to take a look at this. Uh-huh. The Bills won 14-9. to Yes, they did. They didn't score until the fourth quarter. I'm um, looking at the box score. Uh, you are correct. Against one of the weakest Giants defenses on the planet. The worst team in the NFL. Easily. And the fact that they were down 6 nothing at half. Concerning. Is frightening. Uh-huh. And Josh. At, at home. Well, you know, it, it just it reminds me of earlier when they took a team too lightly and they got burnt. And this is the same scenario that obviously they knew they were going to beat the Giants, sure. But the fact that Josh put up 169-2, and two, one interception, not the greatest stat line. I didn't hear the MVP cries this week, which is, like, good because he's not the MVP. Mm -hmm. But he had one of those bad Favre games Yeah, that he does. This was one of them. And the fact that James Cook only got 71 yards against his team rushing on the ground, that is alarming to me as well. Uh, the other alarming thing is the uh, lack of clock management from Tyrod Taylor. Holy fuck. Well, you know, that's something that he struggled with, in my opinion, quite some times. Like, this is nothing that new. That egregiously, though? Not to that level, but when you are in that two-minute warning and you're getting gifted by the Bills playing sloppy defense, right? you have to take advantage. But listen, for somebody that saw him play in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, he was the quarterback that led the Bills when they first started making the run before Josh got there. That was like J.R. Smith in Cleveland with the, in the NBA Finals or whatever it was. Levels of bad. Yeah. He, like... He is just not good with that, but that's something that I've I've seen. Like I say, when he was used to playing Buffalo, yeah, yeah, he did. So the situation here that with Dabble, I mean, and especially seeing how they kind of botched up uh, the, the two minutes there, 
I'm wondering if that was something he learned when he was in Buffalo. That's just my opinion because <laughs> because you you know my feelings about McDermott in two minutes. Yeah, well established. I'm just saying, or in his case, not well established. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest with everybody. If, yeah. you're, if you're new to the show, I'm very critical of Sean McDermott in two minute warnings. Sean McDermott, two minute warnings and second half adjustments. Mm-hmm. I am critical as all. I'm probably the most honest Bills fan on podcasting when it comes to that. And in upstate New York, this is true. And the Bills should have lost this game. They should have lost outright. Now, well, let me ask you this, because I know this was a big talk on Monday. What's your opinion on that final play? Oh, it was pass interference. Okay. No, it was. We got away with one. Okay. The fact... I think, at, le- at the holding at the least, too. Holding at the very least, but here's here's my take about this, but I say this with, with any team. Okay. Holding happens every play. Yes, that's why you wear the same color uh, gloves as the other team's uniforms. Exactly. So if they didn't call it, I understand, and sure. especially because in a situation like that, there's a time when you have to swallow the whistle and let the game play. Yeah. But sometimes when it's egregious like it was, and that pass interference was, yeah, the fact they swallowed the whistle, I, I in my only opinion, this is just me opinionizing. Yeah. yeah. It's because they called the play, they called the penalty before, and they didn't want to have a riot in Buffalo. Uh, okay. Yeah, like yeah, I didn't think of that, but that that could be. That was my only thing. Is I go, there's no way they're going to call back to back because you will see that place go absolutely insane. Yeah, like there's certain areas you don't do that. You don't do that in Philly. You don't do that in Vegas. You don't do that in San Francisco, and you don't do that in Buffalo. Yeah, just saying. So yeah. when that happened, that's why I was like, it's an ugly win, but I will take it on to next week. And it's going to be a tough matchup because Belichick does know how to shut the Bills down. Uh, Bill Belichick did win a game against the Buffalo Bills with one pass attempt. Yeah, so it's not out of the realm of thought that he's going to have something schemed up for him. It's going to be a real test. They should win, Yeah, but it's division. I'm not counting that W just yet, but they beat the worst team in the league, albeit though it was ugly this week, and that's what I'll take home as a victory. Mm-hmm. Lots to talk about this week in the NFL, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the week that was in the NFL? We definitely have to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you better listen to the ODPH podcast, or I'm coming for you, and Batman is coming for you. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And, Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about, first of which obviously being the local in it because the Binghamton Black Bear season uh, did kick off this past weekend in the Federal Prospects Hockey League uh, where they started their season off. They were supposed to start their season off on Friday uh, on the road playing the Elmira River, River Sharks, but because of some equipment malfunction up in Elmira, they, that game has been postponed. Uh, so their season opened up on Saturday here in Binghamton against those same Elmira River Sharks where they picked up the win by the final score of seven to three uh looking ahead to the, uh, this upcoming weekend they are uh on the road this friday october 20th at 7 30 p.m eastern playing the danbury hat tricks and they're back home this saturday seven o'clock eastern at the visions veterans memorial arena here in binghamton playing those danbury hat tricks uh so for more tickets information all that good stuff go to binghamtonblackbears.com and we got to talk some Olympics. Okay. Uh, because the Olympics here are coming to France uh, about 
six, seven months, whatever, or maybe eight months, whatever it is, uh, coming up in Paris, France this year. But four years after that, they're coming here stateside. They're going to be in Los Angeles, specifically in 2028. And uh, five sports have been added to the Olympics uh, for 2028. Okay. So reading from uh, a post on olympics.com, uh, partway into the article, it does say, quote, the five sports were processed, proposed by the LA 28 organizing committee as a package for their edition of the games only and were reviewed and supported by the IOC's Olympic Program Commission and Executive Board. Mm-hmm. Uh, those sports that have been added are baseball and softball. Uh, they're back. Uh, they were both in the Olympic Games most recently as of Tokyo, the 2020 Games. Crickets uh, into the uh, Olympics. Lacrosse has been added to the Olympics. Okay. Squash is going to be making their Olymp- its Olympic debut in uh, Los Angeles in 2028. And for the first time ever in Olympic history, flag football. Let's go. So, of course, with flag football being added, everyone got wondered, what's the NFL going to do about this? Uh, so reading from an article on NFL.com, uh, it reads, quote, and this is from the Associated Press, quote, if Tyreek Hill and other NFL players want to switch to flag football for a summer and compete in the Olympics, the possibility is becoming more real. NFL executive Peter O'Reilly said Tuesday the league will work with the players union on allowing current and former players to participate after flag football was among five sports officially added to the 2028 Los Angeles Games by the International Olympic Committee. Quote, it is the pinnacle of sports globally, O'Reilly said at the league meetings. Ultimately, that decision on the makeup of Team USA is a decision of USA football and the national governing body or the governing bodies around the world in similar roles because we are thinking about Team USA. But there are also a lot of other passports in uh, in the NFL. 113 foreign-born players on NFL rosters as of Week 5. So, that opportunity for athletes to represent their countries, we understand the desire, what they have spoken out about, and what we will continue to do is work uh, with the players, NFL Players Association, and the clubs in the time ahead to determine the process and then work with USA Football and IFAF on that, close quote. Uh, Hill, the Miami Dolphins all-pro wide receiver, expressed his interest after the official announcement, asking fellow NFL players to, quote, bring one home in a post on Twitter. Quote, you know how amazing it would be to assemble a super team to play in the Olympics, Uh, Hill later said on his podcast. Uh, So, close quote. So, uh, not going to lie, this team they put together is going to look like a goddamn dream team. Yeah. It's going to be the most, especially if it's current and former. Like, if you got some former players, especially Hall of Famers that can still go and are willing to go, it's going to look like it's going to look like an uh, Madden, all Madden team. It's going to be insane. Oh, my God. It's going to be absolutely crazy. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm all in about this. I am, too. Uh, and then we got to talk a little bit of wrestling uh, because uh, Crown Jewel is coming up here uh, for the WWE. That is their next premium live event, uh, November 4th, to be specific, from over in Saudi Arabia. Not much known about the uh, card thus far. The matches we do know, though, uh, are presumably the main events, gonna, or what we know is the main event right now, is Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Champion. And then in a fatal five-way match for the Women's World Championship, this was announced last night on Monday Night Raw, Rhea Ripley is going to be defending her belt against Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. Interesting setup for the uh, for the fatal five way, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this. I've said this for a while. I think Shayna Baszler is walking out with that title. Yeah, something tells me with that many bodies involved, uh, Rhea ain't walking out. 
retaining. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and I think that they do the switch there that would make a lot of attention uh-huh. and really create some storylines for Rhea moving forward. Mm-hmm. And then for the Seth Drew match, I mean, they're doing the slow buildup for it. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I don't know. There's something about this that I just don't think Drew's winning, mm-hmm. even though they've they've done a very decent build for it. Yeah, but there's gonna be a lot to watch with that moving forward. Uh, and then we got to talk about NXT last week because boy was that a show. Yeah, holy shit. Uh, so yeah, Cody Rose there to make announcements plural. Uh, he did announce that there, along with the uh, NXT Women's Breakout Tournament, there will be an NXT Men's Breakout Tournament, uh, and then there's a certain. Uh, Tag team tournament. That's going to be. Uh, yes. D- let's go. Dusty Rhodes tag team classic is going to be back as well. He was also playing the part of general manager uh, for one night. I guess GM for one night. So he did make a couple of matches for this upcoming week on uh, uh, NXT. Uh, but yeah, you had Oscar uh, versus Roxanne Perez. Oscar emerged victorious. And I heard this ridiculous statistic that is still true. Oscar has never lost in NXT. Hmm. She she beat Roxanne Perez. Asuka has literally never lost in NXT. Asuka is a cheat code in NXT. Uh, you had the British Strong Style match where it was uh, Pete uh, Butch, Dunn, uh, and Tyler Bate. Uh, and then you had Rich Holland there with Gallus, Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang in a pub rules match. That one wasn't bad. It was all right. It was, it was all, right. all right. It was fun. Uh, then you had you had John Cena there with Braun Breaker going on. That, ma- that match in the main event was awesome mm-hmm. real good yeah the undertaker or sorry i'm sorry badass the american badass undertaker came out that one that one that was fun to say yeah no that was just a fun moment like yeah. it's, like i say they really loaded up this card obviously with the super tuesday feel to it yeah and they really delivered i mean this is why nxt has been such a, a great show to watch on yeah. tuesday night so if you haven't been checking it out it's definitely worth the time the uh the other one to watch, keep an eye out for wasn't live on television the video was shown on television but it was uh, Ava Fire, I think is uh, I forget what her name is. Uh, the Rock's daughter there. Yeah, uh, was uh, videoed backstage by the NXT Anonymous Twitter account, having a certain conversation uh, with Paul Heyman, who was there. So that, that might be something to keep an eye out on. If they moved her up to the main roster, I think it'd be too soon. But yeah, at least, could be. But if Paul's going to be doing more work in NXT. I wouldn't mind seeing a faction down there. I think it'd be good for them. I think it'd be very good for them. There's, there's nothing wrong with the, the roster down at NXT, so I don't want anyone to think, oh, he's saying the NXT roster is shit. No, the NXT roster is good. But what do you lose by having Paul Heyman there as like a mentor or even just a teacher? Mm-hmm. That's a great question you got to watch out for, mm-hmm. which we will be debating about on here in the weeks forward, and especially on Nerd Initiative's YouTube sensation Wrestling Night Live on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Nerd Initiative YouTube. Before we get out of here, though, there is a UFC card happening this weekend that flew under the radar because there's been so many uh, injuries and card switch-ups. Yeah. I legit forgot that it was this weekend. I thought it was another week away. And granted, I just came back from New York Comic Con, so you can kind of blame a little bit on that. But we are now at UFC 294. Yeah. Taking place in Abu Dhabi on October 21st, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It kicks off the main card. I'm not going to get into everything, but there's three fights on this that Mm -hmm. are jumping out to me. And on the main card, we have Magnov taking on Johnny Walker. Yeah. In a big, light heavyweight title match. Or not title match, but contender match, because I think if Johnny Walker wins this, He's going to be in that contention, uh, finally, that he might get a title shot. Uh-huh. Magnov, I mean, 18-1-1, one one, he's been in that talk. He just hasn't been able to get over that hump. 
This is going to be a very solid match happening. Yeah. Pad, you got any feelings on this one? Uh, going to be a knockdown drag out fight. I'm going to say it's going to be uh, uh, Kalev. Uh, Walker's not going to pull off the win. I mean, probably not. I mean, Johnny Walker is an enter- entertaining fighter. Yeah. But this is a big step up for him. We've seen when he had a competition before, he struggled a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know he's currently, according to ESPN.com, he is a plus 275. Okay. Where uh, Magnov is one or minus 350. Ooh. So this is anybody's fight, though. Like I say, I'm not ruling this out completely. If I got to say a prediction, though, I'm going to say this is going to be a decision fight, and I think Magnov is going to pull this off. I just I don't see Johnny doing this, but I would love to see me proved wrong here. Right. Next up. <laughs> oh, boy. This is how crazy this fight card has been. Uh-huh. Kazmat Chemaev, uh-huh. the phenom that took the UFC by storm uh, a few years ago, is finally scheduled to fight. Yes. And we have not seen him fight since the weight debacle yeah. against Nate Diaz that threw that entire pay-per-view card in disarray. Well, in his last official fight where he participated in was against Kevin Holland at UFC 279 on September 10th of 2022. Yeah. So over a calendar year. Yeah, it's been a while. To be honest with you, I completely forgot about that fight. Yeah. That's how long we have seen him because, I mean, he was setting the record. He he fought the most times in a week or a month, I should say, rather. Yeah. Yeah. And he's 12-0. He was supposed to fight Paulo Costa. Costa it pulled out, I believe, because of elbow surgery. Uh, yeah, according to the Wikipedia uh, page for this event, a quote, uh, Costa withdrew after he underwent surgery on his elbow. Yeah. So that said, mm-hmm. we had somebody step up for this middleweight matchup. Uh, and that is now a uh, middleweight title eliminator. Yes, because of who stepped up. Uh-huh. And, Pat, who stepped up? Kamaro Usman. Yes. Oof. The former king of the middleweight division. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me say welterweight. There is an error where I'm reading, so I'm being very honest about this. But obviously, you know him as the welterweight king. And uh, since Leon Edwards defeated him, everybody's wondering what was going to happen here next. Uh-huh. Usman, 23-0, and zero, is stepping in. Whew. And like I say, I'm reading off ESPN.com. He is an underdog. What the fuck? He's a plus 230. Holy shit. When's the last time that happened? Exactly. Chemayev is a two minus 280. <sighs> Goddamn. So if you do participate in that, be smart about it. But also... I say, shit, throw a five down on Usman. Double check that stat line because I am absolutely blown away by seeing this. Like, throw your money down now because that line is going to move come fight night. Yeah, so this is a real crazy matchup that is taking place here. And I... To be honest with you, the fact we're having this fight happen is a bit crazy. And I am just sitting here trying to think, like, okay, where are we going to go from here? Because this is, like, legitimately a main event anywhere in the world. And especially with who is involved. Uh Uh-huh. And, I mean, I think they are going to be fighting at middleweight from where I'm reading now doing a a deeper dive. Right. But this is a little crazy that Usman is going to step up for that. This is anybody's guess, but I will say this. If Chemayev wins, this is a no-doubt title lock and load. Yeah, probably. I am just kind of very surprised to see this happen, and especially if Usman is moving up. I mean, this is a little crazy. Like I said, it's it's came out of nowhere because as uh-huh. far as I knew, he was sticking around 170. So, like I say, he is getting billed as a middleweight fight here. So I do stand corrected for my original statements. Pad, who you got here? I'm going to say Usman. It's nothing against Chemayev, but uh, Usman's just a different dude. Yeah, he he's a whole different level that like can Hamza, you know, Chimaev stand up to him? 
Yeah, I think he can. But I don't know if if Chimeyev has faced anything quite like Usman. Mm-hmm. He, he's just that. He's just a different dude. Yeah, Usman is definitely just a different fighter. He's like that dude when you watch like a, an anime, like a fighting, especially like a Dragon Ball Z type of thing. Yeah, where like you watch you watch him go through one arc and they beat the big bad in the one arc, and then they get to the next one and the big bad shows the next big bad shows up, mm-hmm. and the main character or characters get their asses handed to him, and it's like whoa, that, that this dude's different. That's how that's how I look at it with like Usman. Yeah, this is crazy though because like I say, I'm I'm actually going to quote the ESPN article as I'm reading in. Uh, Usman, quote, Usman ranked number two in the world at welterweight with Shemaev at number four. This bout is going to take place at middleweight, whereas originally scheduled when Costa was the opponent. Wow. This is a big weight jump up. Yeah. Because I don't think Shemaev is going to come in down at 170 if he doesn't have to. This is going to be a true test. Usman is a legend, uh, and I mean, he's up for the challenge. If he's taking this fight on short notice, this is <laughs> crazy. I wonder if he walks around it that way. He might, which I mean, Chamaya might walk around at, at two hundred. Like I, I could, could see I it. could see that with yeah. he's he's yeah. he's a taller gentleman. I'm gonna say this. I I I I am going to take Chamayev, but I don't okay. feel good about it. Okay. Because the only problem I have is Chamayev is gonna want to take him down quickly with his grappling. Yes. And if Chemaev is weighing more at the time of this fight, which I feel he is. I'm not going to say it's going to be a Blahovitz um Adesanya rematch, uh-huh. so to speak, but I think that extra weight is going to give Usman some problems. The the thing that's going to be the tell with this is how this goes if, is if this if if Chemaev can end this early, He's he's gonna pick the he's gonna pick up the win. Yeah. But if Usman is able to weather the storm, because there is gonna be a storm coming from Chemayev's hands mm-hmm. and whatever else he throws him this way. But I'm looking at Chemayev's record. The longest he's ever gone in a fight that I can see is he went a he went a full round full three rounds against Gilbert Burns in April of last year. Mm-hmm. Every other fight he's had has either ended in the first or second round. Yeah. This potentially. You know, could be his first full five five minute round fight. So if Usman is able to weather the storm and drag uh, Chimaev into deep waters and drag him into those championship rounds that really like test and define if a fighter's the guy or not, mm. Usman I think could pull this off. He's gonna have to. That's the only way. He's got to extend this fight out. Yeah, that's that's the only way he's got a chance to win this. I think. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you that week. Like I don't feel great saying Chimaev's or Chimaev's going to win this because I hate betting against Usman right. ever. Oh yeah, but this is going to be a true test for Usman, and then if this can lead to a title implication too, I mean that's a lot of moving parts happening yes, here. Yes, a lot. But this is going to be a hell of a main event. But it would be a main event anywhere else if we did not have what we have <laughs> at the top of the card, the most unexpected rematch. Yeah, in recent memory. Yeah. For the lightweight title, mm-hmm. Islam Makachev, 24-1-0, yep. is not going to be facing Charles Oliveira, who had to pull out due to a nasty cut. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah, that thing oh, looked brutal. What the hell were you doing, dude? Sparring. You got to watch that sparring, especially yeah. late late in the fight camp. I'll say, because that's not exactly whoops, you tripped and hit your head against you know, the corner of a table. No, that's somebody wanted to leave a... Receipt, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the so, same thing, so to speak. He is out of the fight, and they have gotten arguably a more than worthy replacement for him. 
the king of the featherweights moving back up and who gave Machev arguably his greatest challenge to date in the UFC, Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh-huh. So this fight is going to be a real challenge. Oh, by the way, we should mention Volkanovsky, already the featherweight champ. Now yeah. he's going for the lightweight champ. If he is successful, he will be the fourth person in UFC history to be champion in two divisions simultaneously and the fifth fighter overall uh, with after Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier, Amanda Nunes, uh, and Henry Cejudo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the eighth person overall to win a title in two different divisions. Mm-hmm. And it is being reported that he has to drop 25 pounds now oh. to get down there. Oh, Jesus Christ. Since he took the fight on short notice. Jesus. This is fucking insane. Good luck. Excuse dude. my language, folks. No, this, no. If you've ever like done any sort of weight training, that's insane. Yeah, this is nuts. Um, that's not healthy. No. So the fact that he has to cut down that much and uh, I mean, he's going to do it. I don't doubt he's not going to with make ta- weight. With time, you can do it. You can do it in about maybe a month or two. Yeah, but 11 but, days out oh, when he signed in to take this, this is that's, cr- that's called you're drinking nothing, but you're dr- eating nothing and you're drinking nothing but water. Yeah, he's going to be miserable by the time it's fight day. Oh, my God. This is going to be a true challenge. I mean, obviously, it was debatable if he won the first match. I don't think he did, but he, he made a good argument. Like, if you yeah. said he did, I'm not arguing about it. This time around, though, I think it's too too much too soon. I think if he did a proper fight camp, I'd, I'd give him the benefit of the right, doubt. But I'm, right. I'm going to say Makachev is, is taking this one. Um, uh, I'm going to say Volkanovski just because, like I said, he's going to have to cut a lot of goddamn weight just to miss, to, or excuse me, just to make weight. But he's only got to get to that and do that until the official way. It's not the ceremonial, you know, pomp and circumstance ones they do later in the day. Mm-hmm. We all know as soon as he makes weight in those official ones in the morning, he can eat whatever the fuck he wants and, yeah. and gorgeous. So he's going to make weight, you know, come hell or high water for fight night. And then he's going to gorge himself, not to the point where he's sick, but he's going to eat like a madman and he's going to swing. He's going to come in, I'm going to guess, 30, maybe 40 pounds heavier than his opponent. Yeah, well, he's going to need to. That is going to be the one thing that we're going to really see the effects of uh-huh. out the gate. Yeah. And it, can his grappling hold up? That's going to be the biggest question we have. Yeah. So if we can make sure that he can hang in there, it's going to be a great fight no matter what. I don't think this ends early. This could be another decision. I just hope it's not split. That's my only fear. That it'll be split because of reasons. reasons. Nevertheless, UFC 294 taking place this weekend. We'll definitely be recapping it on next week's sports edition. But, yeah, this fight just kind of snuck up on me. And I, obviously with all the changes on it, I was shocked that I saw him like, it's going to be taking place on October 21st. It's like it's already here. Yeah. A lot of headlines coming out of this in the UFC, so definitely make sure you stay tuned to ODPH social media, and we'll definitely be talking about it on next week's show, like I said, and in between. But that being said, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all the sports talk for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Down to the punch, cause they can't bring me.